This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Goes on to play the Chiefs. Where the game is happening to be determined. If the Bills win, that is a neutral site in Indianapolis. If the Bengals win, that game will happen in our head. Uh, quick wrinkle, though. Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the MRI uh, from Patrick Mahomes came back that he has a high ankle sprained. Mahomes says he's going to play, but to what degree is he going to be limited? I mean, that is right now the most significant injury of the playoffs because if the Chiefs are healthy with Patrick Mahomes, who right now uh, is or at least is either the best or the second best in quarterback, then you have to consider them the favorites in the AFC, though I, I do think the Bengals are coming out whether or not Mahomes is healthy. I pick them, but it, that that's a significant injury. So we will continue to monitor that this week. And hopefully he's healthy because no one wants to see that happen. Even if you're rooting against the Chiefs, which I don't know how you could be someone, I guess, uh, if you're a Raiders, Chargers, or a Broncos fan, you root against the Chiefs. But if you're just a football fan, I mean, Mahomes is one of the greatest shows on television. He's like Steph Curry-esque with the wizardry. You want to see him healthy. And, and to watch him yesterday be so limited, uh, that, that, that sucked. They still found a way to win that game. Jacksonville had every opportunity to win it, but Mahomes is Mahomes, and when the Chiefs needed touchdowns, he was able to get them on the board. And uh, the Jaguars had a costly fumble late in that game. So Chiefs advanced their waiting for the winner of Bengals and Bills. Tonight, we get the Niners and Cowboys. I think the Niners are going to roll. A Cowboys fan calls early, and he says Dallas is going to win by 10. <laughs> Dallas is going to win by 10. So I mean, how, how, it's it's gonna be interesting to see like how we look at this Cowboys season that they do lose this game. Let's say they get blown out because the way you ended the season against the Commanders was embarrassing. Last week you beat an eight and nine Tampa team that really had no business in the playoffs. You didn't just beat them; you blew them out. If you lose this game to the Niners, like, are you any closer to like what we thought you could become at your apex? I don't know. So the the the, the Dallas conversation is, is is an interesting one. I think it's a big game. I think the team with the most to lose today playing is Buffalo because they came in as the favorites to win, so they have the most to lose. The Bengals losing, they got to the Super Bowl last year. You just lost to a, a better Buffalo team in Buffalo. Uh, who cares? You'll be back next year. Uh, if the Niners lose this game today with Brock Purdy in his first playoff run, you'll be back next year. You got all the weapons, Kyle Shanahan. I think even if Dallas loses, it's disappointing, and may, maybe we can view it through a different lens because of how what I just outlined about you know beating the Bucs and, and not really getting anywhere after that. But it's something you'll be able to still live with. The Bills losing today, I don't know. That's a tough one. Getting just to the second round of the playoffs, your only win comes against the Dolphins. Not a great look uh, if you are a Bills fan. But we did start the show talking about the Giants. And, look, if you are of the opinion that this somehow was a failed season for the Giants, that that is just a horrendous take that we have no room for today. There are things on the table that we can discuss. What it means going forward, how confident are you in this team actually getting to a level where they can compete against the likes of the Eagles and the Cowboys going forward, and then big picture of the conference with the Niners, you know, maybe the Rams will be back. So just whoever you feel like are the best teams in the NFC, where the Giants stack up, that's on the table. Daniel Jones, what it means for him, and you know, last night's game, I, I think was more of credit being 
given to the Eagles defense than it was an indictment of Daniel Jones, who did play his worst game of the year. Uh, turnover, turned the ball over, could have had multiple turnovers. Uh, the fumble was recovered by the offense. Uh, had two interceptions dropped in that fourth quarter. So it could have fallen apart for him. I, I don't think he played well at all. But that, to me, was more about the Eagles being dominant on defense. Uh, so that's on the table. We can discuss that. Brian Dable, I mean, was excellent all season long. Coach of the year. We, we, we dole adulation in his direction all season long. That decision and on the first drive of the game to go for it on fourth and eight from the Philly 40 was an abomination. Dable, like... I. And it's it's weird for me because I'm the guy who's all ultra being aggressive. Because in this era of football, you're going to win games scoring touchdowns. And speaking of which, another Jamar Chase touchdown from Joe Burrow looks like he got two feet in. So the Bills are I'm sorry, the Bills are now down two scores, twenty one to seven. As that Cincinnati offense just looks prolific, I don't think anyone's stopping them. Uh, in this era of football. You're not going to beat teams kicking field goals and punting on every possession. You're going to have to keep up. I understand that. But in that moment, it's too early in the game. The Eagles had just marched down and scored a touchdown, converting third down after third down after third down. So maybe that caused you to have a little bit of trepidation when it came to your defense. But your defense is pretty good and has kept you in games all season long. So pen Philly back. And, and maybe you'll get the ball back down just 7 nothing, or you hold them to a field goal and a 10 nothing, and even worst-case scenario, 14 to nothing. Are, are, are you in an ideal situation? Of course not. But at least your team still has a chance. Fourth and eight from your 40 uh, made no sense to me. Made no sense to me. And it reeked of a coach who understood his team was probably drawing dead. But that's not the moment to be aggressive. And after that, the Giants just never looked like the same team. Because they had actually been marching the ball down the field. Daniel Jones, a couple of big throws. But fourth and eight in that spot, after you were just giving up a sack? I mean, that cannot happen. And for you to then follow that up with a couple of quarters in the fourth quarter, you're down three scores. Now is when you can't punt anymore. Then he punts. Made no sense. Made no sense. I, I did not understand how, how that was the decision in that moment. It made no sense to me. Here was uh, Brian Dable on that fourth down decision making last night. With that, that, that fourth and eight or fourth and seven where we were, you know, I knew what the line was for our kicker was, you know, past that. So I felt good about the play that, you know, we had worked on throughout the week. You know, we practiced a fair amount of fourth downs um, and just... You know, didn't get it done. What about the, the punt? They hadn't scored it yet in that half. You know, I'm counting on the defense maybe just from so backed up to maybe get a three and out. Then they had a long drive. Probably could have went for it. Really weren't executing well enough to either. Made no sense. Because then the Eagles, so, so the punt in the fourth quarter, when they're down, uh, looks like they just overturned that touchdown in the Cincinnati game. So the Bengals are going to have to kick a field goal here and uh, still be 17-7. to and Buffalo will get a chance to score right before the half. Jamar Chase got one foot down, and they're saying he didn't get the second foot down? I don't know. Harvey, any uh, insight here? Oh, because they're looking at the bobble as he went to the ground? Yeah, the bobble to the ground. He got both feet in from what I looked at, it, but the bobble to the ground, I think Matt Milano was the one who tried to separate oh, yes. his hands. That's probably what it was. Okay, so uh, take the touchdown off the board. Evan McPherson, second-year kicker for the Bengals. 
uh, end to kick a 28-yard field goal. A chip shot, but it's in the snow, so there's no guarantees today. Uh, McPherson kicks it up, and it looks like the field goal is good. So 17-7 to right now, Buck 49 remaining in the second quarter. Bengals on top of the Bills. But, uh, Dave, well, that decision doesn't make sense. And in that fourth quarter, you're down three scores. You can't punt anymore. You're, you're running out of time. So to say that your defense has been playing well, no, it's not that your defense is playing well. Maybe Philly, you know, taking their foot off the gas to some degree. But it's just, so after they punted down three scores, Jake Elliott hits a 30-yarder that caps off a 70-yard drive that took nearly eight minutes off the clock. You can't do that, Brian. You can't. You've been great all season long, and you're an aggressive coach. But in that situation, that cannot happen. Here was him on his thoughts on the season as a whole. A little, probably a little bit too early. And look, I'm proud of the guys, the way we competed. I'm proud of you know the coaches, the staff members. To really only do this for for one reason, this level, and it's you know it hurts when you when you lose. When you use, and then he elaborated on how it feels to be eliminated. Disappointed. You know, wish we could have done a better job. Wish I could have done a better job. Feel like crap. I mean, that's as honest as you can be. You know, you work extremely hard to get to this spot. You do not take it for granted. These are hard. This is a hard place to get to this division round and to move forward. And just, I feel more for the players and the coaches because we put everything we had into it, and we just we didn't get it done. They didn't get it done. It's a tough place to get to because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we can all be excited about the future for the Giants, and you should be. But to think that it just automatically means it's going to translate into better results next year, I mean, that is a fallacy because you can be an improved team and still not get to the division around next year. You want a playoff game, so that's a step in the right direction. But... To, to to have that happen last night, it just shows you how far away from the Eagles you are. There's not the Cowboys. And I just wonder, like, what was everyone thinking when they when they thought the Giants could win this game? And and look, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. But before kickoff, I tweeted, I don't see a path to victory for the Giants. I didn't think it would be thirty eight seven. But the Eagles all year presented themselves as the number one seed because they earned it. Maybe we should have believed who they were when we saw them. Only one of two teams to get a bye. They, the third scoring offense, eighth scoring defense. Uh, they started the season, what, 14-1, and 13-1? And, and, and they were rolling and better than everyone until Jalen Hurts, who was the MVP at the time, got hurt. The Vegas line was 7.5. Like, all the evidence pointed to, yeah, this game might not be as competitive as we, as we think. And somehow folks just thought the Giants really could go in there and upset Philly. And maybe it was uh, more about the AC joint injury for Jalen Hurts, but I mean, man, the, you thought the Giants got a chance to, to get the upset, and after the first quarter, this game was over. This game was over, and, and pe- people kept talking about, well, you see in week 18, with our third stringers, we kept it close. That game was never in doubt. The Eagles watched it in the scoreboard. They knew uh, all, everything that was happening around them and what needed to, to, to break in their direction. They knew what was going on. They saw the Cowboys lose. Uh, to the Commanders. The Cowboys were getting smoked by the Commanders. And they took their foot off the gas pedal. And we we didn't see them open up the playbook because they knew that there was a chance that they were going to be playing the Giants again. Uh, so I, I, don't, I, I never understood why that Week 18 game was a source of optimism. But here we were. I thought Nick Sirianni was excellent last night uh, coaching that game, both defensively and offensively. The Giants just had, they were uncomfortable all night. 
and Jalen Hurts. Uh, remember, we were conscious of his limitations, and all he did in the first quarter was go seven for seven with two touchdowns. <laughs> so he quickly showed you that, yeah, that wasn't going to be a question mark. And he did say to the broadcast that he was nowhere close to 100%, but he, lo- he looked pretty damn good last night. And it resulted in uh, a 38-7 to victory. So the Eagles now get a chance to, to watch this game tonight uh, between the Niners and Cowboys, and they'll welcome the winner uh, to link uh, to the link next week with a chance to, how about this, imagine the Eagles get to the Super Bowl again for the second time? What would that be, in, in, in six years? Jeez. If you're a Giants fan, you thought last night was bad, you better be hoping the Niners win this game tonight because we've got to watch Cowboys-Eagles next week with a chance to get to the Super Bowl. I don't envy you being in that position. 800-919-3776. We'll hear more from the Giants when we get back. Keep you posted on Bills and Bengals. We're rolling until 530 right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Goes on to play the Chiefs. Where the game is happening to be determined. If the Bills win, that is a neutral site in Indianapolis. If the Bengals win, that game will happen in Arrowhead. Uh, quick wrinkle, though. Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the MRI uh, from Patrick Mahomes came back that he has a high ankle sprained. Mahomes says he's going to play. But to what degree is he going to be limited? I mean, that is right now the most significant injury of the playoffs because if the Chiefs are healthy with Patrick Mahomes, who right now uh, is or at least is either the best or the second best in quarterback, then you have to consider them the favorites in the AFC, though I, I do think the Bengals are coming out. Whether or not Mahomes is healthy, I pick them. But it, that that's a significant injury. So we will continue to monitor that this week. And hopefully he's healthy because no one wants to see that happen. Even if you're rooting against the Chiefs, which I don't know how you could be someone, I guess, if you're a Raiders, Chargers, or a Broncos fan, you root against the Chiefs. But if you're just a football fan, I mean, Mahomes is one of the greatest shows on television. He's like Steph Curry-esque with the wizardry. You want to see him healthy. And and to watch him yesterday be so limited, uh, that, that, that sucked. They still found a way to win that game. Jacksonville had every opportunity to win it, but Mahomes is Mahomes, and when the Chiefs needed touchdowns, he was able to get them on the board. And uh, the Jaguars had a costly fumble late in that game, so Chiefs advanced. They're waiting for the winner of Bengals and Bills. Tonight, we get the Niners and Cowboys. I think the Niners are going to roll. A Cowboys fan calls early, and he says Dallas is going to win by 10. (laughs) Dallas is going to win by 10. So I mean, how, how, it's it's gonna be interesting to see like how we look at this Cowboys season if they do lose this game. Let's say they get blown out because the way you ended the season against the Commanders was embarrassing. Last week you beat an eight and nine Tampa team that really had no business in the playoffs. You didn't just beat them; you blew them out. If you lose this game to the Niners, like, are you any closer to like what we thought you could become at your apex? I don't know. So the the the, the Dallas conversation is, is is an interesting one. I think it's a big game. I think the team with the most to lose today playing is Buffalo because they came in as the favorites to win, so they have the most to lose. The Bengals losing, they got to the Super Bowl last year. You just lost to a, a better Buffalo team in Buffalo. Uh, who cares? You'll be back next year. 
Uh, if the Niners lose this game today with Brock Purdy in his first playoff run, you'll be back next year. You got all the weapons, Kyle Shanahan. I think even if Dallas loses, it's disappointing, and may, maybe you can view it through a different lens because of how what I just outlined about you know beating the Bucks and, and not really getting anywhere after that. But it's something you'll be able to still live with. The Bills losing today, I don't know. That's a tough one. Getting just to the second round of the playoffs, your only win comes against the Dolphins. Not a great look uh, if you are a Bills fan. But we did start the show talking about the Giants. And, look, if you are of the opinion that this somehow was a failed season for the Giants, that that is just a horrendous take that we have no room for today. There are things on the table that we can discuss what it means going forward, how confident are you in this team actually getting to a level where they can compete against the likes of the Eagles and the Cowboys going forward, and then big picture of the conference with the Niners, you know, maybe the Rams will be back. So just whoever you feel like are the best teams in the NFC, where the Giants stack up, that's on the table. Daniel Jones, what it means for him, and you know, last night's game I, I think was more of credit being given to the Eagles defense than it was an indictment of Daniel Jones, who did play his worst game of the year. Uh, turnover, turned the ball over, could have had multiple turnovers. Uh, the fumble was recovered by the offense. Uh, had two interceptions dropped in that fourth quarter. So it could have fallen apart for him. I, I don't think he played well at all. But that, to me, was more about the Eagles being dominant on defense. Uh, so that's on the table. We can discuss that. Brian Dable, I mean, was excellent all season long. Coach of the year, we 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 dole adulation in his direction all season long. That decision and on the first drive of the game to go for it on fourth and eight from the Philly forty was an abomination. Dable, like I, and it's it's weird for me because I'm the guy who's all ultra being aggressive because in this era of football, you're gonna win games scoring touchdowns. And speaking of which, another Jamar Chase touchdown. <laughs> From Joe Burrow, looks like he got two feet in. So the Bills are I'm so, the Bills are now down two scores, twenty-one to seven. As that Cincinnati offense just looks prolific, I don't think anyone's stopping them. Uh, in this era of football, you're not going to beat teams kicking field goals and punting on every possession. You, you're going to have to keep up. I understand that, but in that moment, it's too early in the game. The Eagles had just marched down and scored a touchdown, converting third down after third down after third down. So maybe that caused you to have a little bit of trepidation when it came to your defense. But your defense is pretty good, and it's kept you in games all season long. So pin Philly back, and and, and maybe you'll get the ball back down just 7 nothing, or you hold them to a field goal and a 10 nothing, And even worst-case scenario, 14 to nothing. Are, are, are you in an ideal situation? Of course not. But at least your team still has a chance. Fourth and eight from your 40 uh, made no sense to me. Made no sense to me. And it reeked of a coach who understood his team was probably drawing dead. But that's not the moment to be aggressive. And after that, the Giants just never looked like the same team. Because they had actually been marching the ball down the field. Daniel Jones, a couple of big throws. But fourth and eight in that spot, after you had just given up a sack? I mean, that cannot happen. And for you to then follow that up with a couple of quarters later in the fourth quarter, you're down three scores. Now is when you can't punt anymore. Then he punts. Made no sense. Made no sense. I, I did not understand how, how that was the decision in that moment. It made no sense to me. Here was uh, Brian Dable on that fourth down decision making last night. 
With that, that sit that fourth and eight or fourth and seven, where we were, you know, I knew what the line was for our kicker was, you know, past that. So I felt good about the play that, you know, we had worked on throughout the week. You know, we practiced a fair amount of fourth downs um, and just, you know, didn't get it done. What about the, the punt? They hadn't scored it yet in that half. You know, I'm counting on the defense maybe just from so backed up to maybe get a three and out. Then they had a long drive. Probably could have went for it. Really weren't executing well enough to either. Made no sense. Because then the Eagles, so, so the punt in the fourth quarter, when they're down, uh, looks like they just overturned that touchdown in the Cincinnati game. So the Bengals are going to have to kick a field goal here and uh, still be 17-7. to And Buffalo will get a chance to score right before the half. Jamar Chase got one foot down, and they're saying he didn't get the second foot down? I don't know. Harvey, any uh, insight here? Oh, because they're looking at the bobble as he went to the ground? Yeah, the bobble. To the ground. He got both feet in from what I looked at it, but the ball to the ground. I think Matt Milano was the one who tried to separate oh, yes. his hands. That's probably what it was. Okay, so uh, take the touchdown off the board. Evan McPherson, second-year kicker for the Bengals, uh, in to kick a 28-yard field goal. A chip shot, but it's in the snow, so there's no guarantees today. Uh, McPherson kicks it up. And it looks like the field goal is good. So 17-7 to right now. Buck 49 remaining in the second quarter. Bengals on top of the Bills. But, uh, Dable, that decision doesn't make sense. And in that fourth quarter, you're down three scores. You can't punt anymore. You're running out of time. So to say that your defense has been playing well, no, it's not that your defense is playing well. Maybe Philly, you know, taking their foot off the gas to some degree. But it's just, so after they punted down three scores, Jake Elliott hits a 30-yarder that caps off a 70-yard drive that took nearly eight minutes off the clock. You can't do that, Brian. You can't. You've been great all season long, and you're an aggressive coach. But in that situation, that cannot happen. Here was him on his thoughts on the season as a whole. A little, probably a little bit too early. I, look, I'm proud of the guys, the way we competed. I'm proud of you know the coaches, the staff members. To really only do this for for one reason, this level, and it's you know it hurts when you when you lose. It's when you lose, and then he elaborated on how it feels to be eliminated. Disappointed. You know, wish we could have done a better job. Wish I could have done a better job. I feel like crap. I mean, that's as honest as you can be. You know, you work extremely hard to get to this spot. You do not take it for granted. These are hard. This is a hard place to get to this division round and to move forward. And just I feel more for the players and the coaches because we put everything we had into it and we just we didn't get it done. They didn't get it done. It's a tough place to get to because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we can all be excited about the future for the Giants and you should be. But to think that it just automatically means it's going to translate into better results next year, I mean, that is a fallacy. Because you can be an improved team and still not get to the division around next year. You want a playoff game, so that's a step in the right direction. But to, to, to have that happen last night, it just shows you how far away from the Eagles you are. There's not the Cowboys. And I just wonder, like, what was everyone thinking when they when they thought the Giants could win this game? And and look, it's hindsight is twenty twenty, but before kickoff, I tweeted, I don't see a path to victory for the Giants. I didn't think it would be thirty eight seven, but the Eagles all year presented themselves as the number one seed because they earned it. Maybe we should have believed who they were when we saw them. Only one of two teams to get a bye. They the third scoring offense, eighth scoring defense. Uh, they started the season what fourteen and one, thirteen and one, 
and, and they were rolling and better than everyone until Jalen Hurts, who was the MVP at the time, got hurt. The Vegas line was seven and a half. Like all the evidence pointed to, yeah, this game might not be as competitive as we as we think. And somehow folks just thought the Giants really could go in there and upset Philly. And maybe it was more about the AC joint injury for Jalen Hurts. But I mean, man, you thought the Giants got a chance to to get the upset, and after the first quarter, this game was over. This game was over, and, and people kept talking about, well, you see, in Week 18. With our third stringers, we kept it close. That game was never in doubt. The Eagles watched it in the scoreboard. They knew uh, everything that was happening around them and what needed to, to, to break in their direction. They knew what was going on. They saw the Cowboys lose uh, to the Commanders. The Cowboys were getting smoked by the Commanders. And they took their foot off the gas pedal. And we, we didn't see them open up the playbook because they knew that there was a chance that they were going to be playing the Giants again. Uh, so I I don't I I never understood why that week eighteen game was a source of optimism, but here we were. I thought Nick Sirianni was excellent last night, uh, coaching that game both defensively and offensively. The Giants just had they were uncomfortable all night, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, remember we were conscious of his limitations, and all he did in the first quarter was go seven for seven with two touchdowns. <laughs> so he quickly showed you that yeah that wasn't going to be a question mark, and he did say to the broadcast that he was nowhere close to 100%, but he, lo- he looked pretty damn good last night. And it resulted in uh, a 38-7 to victory. So the Eagles now get a chance to, to watch this game tonight uh, between the Niners and Cowboys, and they'll welcome the winner uh, to link uh, to the link next week with a chance to, how about this, imagine the Eagles get to the Super Bowl again for the second time. What would that be, in, 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 in six years? Jeez. If you're a Giants fan, you thought last night was bad. Better be hoping the Niners win this game tonight. Because we've got to watch Cowboys-Eagles next week with a chance to get to the Super Bowl. I don't envy you being in that position. 800-919-3776. We'll hear more from the Giants when we get back. Keep you posted on Bills and Bengals. We're rolling until 530 right here on 9870 SPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, Harvey, I got to tell you about uh, something that happened yesterday. So I was listening to Rothenberg's show, and he said that he— so the Saturday show is only going to go as long as the Giants continue to win. Am I I correct in saying that? It's a show you produced. That's correct. So now that the Giants lost, um, that means the show is done. And I thought I would have some fun last night because it was a show that I used to produce. So I said, let's have some fun with this. And I, and I tweeted this out at halftime during the Giants-Eagles game last night. It was 28 to nothing. And I said, the Eagles just sent Rothenberg ESPN Saturday show into retirement. What a sad ending. And then I put in parentheses, I think I deserve a star for this tweet, at Ray Santiago. And would you believe that, like, there were folks actually mad at me? Disrespectful, how could you say that? You're such a troll. I can't have some fun with my guy. And then some some moron, because he's, like, tasteless and, and, and he has the brain capacity of a rodent, says, this is why Dave doesn't like you. Does he realize that Dave and I are actually friends? I was just texting Dave the other day. Maybe he's, he's got losers. a point. 
these losers. Now, do you really think on like Monday that when it's ten, when it's nine fifty seven, nine fifty eight, that Ray Santiago is gonna remember this and be like, "Hey, star I number hope two. he does. I think this was a pretty good tweet. You don't think so? I mean, the the Eagles sending Dave Rothenberg Saturday showing to retire. It's a team that he dis- detests. He actually on his on his morning show on Friday, I heard say that because RJ, his producer, asked if because if if the Giants, if I could guarantee you the Giants beat the Eagles, but it means that your relationship with Andrew Gunling, former producer of the Michael K show, is over. Like, would you sign up for that? He's like, I do it in a heartbeat. Look, we can't, we can't. Um... I guess compare our human life to someone as insane as Dave Rothenberg when we ask these types of questions. He's talked about using the bathroom on like other people's lawn, like things he would do uh, for a Giants win. Like the the I love Dave, but I mean he's got serious character flaws that everyone knows. Might be the most flawed guy at the station when it comes to things like that, and people are mad at me saying. I'm disrespectful because I'm having fun with my guy. It was a bit premature. I mean, it was only twenty-eight nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was only twenty-eight nothing. Uh, the, the Giants have scored like thirty points like twice in the last ten years. Yeah, it was, it was over at that. By point, the way, anyway. inside sources are telling me that it is possible that around nine fifty-eight you could get a star. Inside sources Whoa. are telling me this is just you know number uh, one. Who knows? I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I should be tuned in as everyone should be. Tomorrow beginning at 6 a.m. Because, I mean, that's going to be a fantastic show. Dave, all, all last week, so confident, optimistic about the team, hates the Eagles. He's, he's, you know, he's got all these things he's talking. And now he's going to have to face the music tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. And I hope Rick DiPietro doesn't become a coward. What he should do is he should rub it in. He should rub it in. Don't do this whole, all right, it's a therapy session for Dave. You're my friend. I feel bad. I'm going to – no, rub it in because if the, if the roles were reversed and the Jets were coming off a, a horrendous playoff performance, Dave would be putting salt on that wound. I guarantee you if the Cowboys lose this game tonight, uh, Dave's going to be all over Ray Santiago. Let's if the go! Niners lose this game tonight – Dave's gonna be all over RJ, so don't don't do the, the the soft thing where go at him, have some fun, go at him, make him feel the pain uh, of a thirty-eight to seven loss. I don't want to hear any of that soft nonsense because if you got the smoke for everybody else, I I can't listen to the K show one day without hearing you text something and you know ripping Peter for something. So let, let's keep that same energy, have that same smoke for Dave Rothenberg after his team embarrassed itself last night. That's all I got to say about that. How about that? Speaking of the Giants, let's go back and hear for them. Here was Saquon Barkley on his future with the Giants. I don't want to jump to any conclusions. I've been vocal about how I feel and where I want to be. You know, that's outside outside my control. I want to show the Giants and you know, show them not the guy that they drafted still here. I hope I did that. Everyone knows I would love to be a giant for life. I, I really can't give 100% answers out of my control. And sometime this week, I'll get a conversation with my agent, Kim, and you know, see, see what's up. Saquon Barkley finished fourth in rushing this year, 1,300-plus yards. I mean, he was fantastic. Looked just as good as he did in his rookie year and really was the only 
piece that you feared on the giant offense you know everyone has that bulletin board where you prepare for an opposing team like who are the guys we have to stop it was saquon barkley or bust for the offense for the most part you know richie james and darius slayton and, and cager and bellinger like these guys stepped up uh big time this year and they deserve a lot of credit for it but daniel jones saquon barkley that was the giant offense this year so he definitely did everything in his power, in my estimation, to earn a second contract for the Giants. We'll, ha- we'll have to see if it's in their plans. Uh, because I did come across this, uh, courtesy of Harvey, sent me an article off the ESPN Plus about what, you know, what the offseason looks like for the Giants. I believe this is Aaron Schatz, who has the big prediction for the offseason that the Giants will not re-sign Saquon Barkley to a large contract. A large contract. Uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable come from Buffalo, and one thing they learned with the Bills was not to prioritize paying running backs over building a passing game. The Giants will let Barkley sign elsewhere and use that money to improve the receiver room and or the interior offensive line. So that's just you know a prediction from this article. It's not saying that that's going to happen, uh, but that's what Aaron Schatz believes, and it's 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 a decision that, regardless, you're going to be criticized for it. It's the world we live in, and especially when hindsight is twenty twenty. Because if the Giants give Saquon a big contract and he gets hurt next year and it doesn't age well, as we've pretty much seen with every big contract given to a running back, they're going to get destroyed for it. But if they let him walk after what he did this year, and not just on the field, but what he means to the team off the field in that locker room, they're going to get criticized for it. So it's one of those decisions, and same thing with the quarterback, with Daniel Jones and what his worth is. Because I gave you the numbers earlier it's not about what you think Jones is worth. It's about what his contemporaries are making. Kirk Cousins, $35 million a year. Kyler Murray, $46 million a year. Derek Carr, $40.5 million a year. Ryan Tannehill, just under thirty. So it's, it's, it's not who's getting the contract as much as it is when they get the contract. And Daniel Jones coming off clearly his best season of his career and is in line for a big payday. So you can sit up there and not think he's worth $40 million, but uh, there might be a team that's going to give it to him. And the Giants will be competing against that team. So the question becomes, how do they view this guy? Is it the pay him whatever we we need to retain him because he means so much to us and we've helped develop him and he's had a really good season and he understands and knows the offense and we want to continue to build that positive momentum going forward? Or is it there's a certain number that's too high that he's not worth it? But if you arrive at that conclusion, who what's the alternative? And you're not going to Tyrod Taylor to be your quarterback next year. And drafting 26 overall, you're not finding a quarterback there. So uh, it's a precarious situation to be in. Look, you'll sign up for it because it meant that you went 9-7-1, won a playoff game, and had the fan base excited. And the Giants have re-arrived to being that football team that was in the business of of competing for championships. But an interesting offseason uh, lies ahead for the New York Giants. 800-919-3776. minutes away from the pregame show. Knicks Raptors coming your way right here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, please take that as a bit of advice. Let's go to Lewis in the Bronx. What's up, Lewis? Going on, man. I want to be the voice of reason for all these Giants fans. Like I heard the last guy, you want to get upset at Brian Dable for taking risk on fourth down. That's what he did against Tennessee Titans, and you love him. It's different, though. Lois, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish, Lewis. It's different. That's from the two-yard line. It's really not different because at the end of the day, us playing against Philadelphia, when we played against Minnesota, everybody felt like we could win, and we actually won. Us playing against Philadelphia, we did not have a chance. We do not have the talent, Ty. 
And that's what we're going to work out at, in this offseason. But you got to remember, this is Brian Dable's first season as a head coach, and he got us to the playoffs, man. And we got past the wild card round. That's a lot mm-hmm. to be hyped for. There's nobody, if you're a Giants fan and you're upset, you're a fraud. I just want to say that. Any Giants fan that's upset right now is a fraud. Because all that we've been through, we are turning the, 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 the corner right now, man. We got a bright future. We got a great defensive coordinator. We got a great offensive coordinator. We got a great head coach. Our, our, our two coordinators are so good, they're already trying to give these guys head jobs, head coaching jobs already. They're first year coordinating for us. So, I mean, you got you to gotta believe that the Giants are turning the corner right now. And you can't be mad at what anything they did in that game because Brian Dable knew, just like I know, we were not going to win that game no matter what we did. The Philadelphia Eagles are better than us. They have better receivers, better corners, better everything. They're better than us, man. And that's just the bottom line. No, I like, get it. You know what I'm saying? Get... Like, I don't understand why people are getting upset. We were not supposed to even be in the playoffs this year. We were 4-13 last year. You know what I'm saying? Recognize where we are. But we are in a good place because next season, we're going to have all of Brian Dables and, and the GM's picks to make this team better. So I guarantee next year we're going to be fighting for that division and the years to come. That's what I want all the Giants fans to understand that. It's going to look better in the future, bro. Yesterday we lost, and I knew we were going to lose. I knew we were going to get blown out, but it doesn't matter because it wasn't really about this season anyway. It was about getting better for the future. And that's all I want to say, Ty. I appreciate the. I love that phone call. Appreciate the call, Lewis. It was passionate. Uh, you can tell that he's riled up. Uh, a couple things I disagree with. It's, true things can be true. You can absolutely feel great about the future because of all the reasons you outlined, but also be upset with what happened last night, just because it was embarrassing and you weren't expecting that. Even if you were, even if you are someone who says, "Listen, I don't think that the Giants had any shot of winning that game." That's fair. But you, did you think they get blown out like that? You didn't think it would be 38-7. to seven. You didn't think it would be 28 nothing at halftime. You didn't think the game would be over at the end of the first quarter. You thought that they would give you a little bit more resistance. You didn't think uh, the, the, the Eagles would, would be th- that dominant on the ground. So I, I, I think, yes, you can be upset about the game. You can absolutely rip Brian Dable for his decision to go for it on fourth and eight from the forty. Because, yes, part of it is his understanding. We might be drawing dead to win this game. If miracles don't start happening, we need a fourth down miracle. But fourth and eight from the 40, after you had just taken a sack, that just, to me, did not feel like the right decision. I punt the ball away, get it inside the 10, trust your defense. And if Hurts goes 95 yards to score a touchdown, then, look, it might not be your night anyway. But at least you're going down with a solid game plan. I don't think fourth and eight is is part of a solid game. Fourth and four, maybe. Fourth and five, I'll live with that. Fourth and eight, that's tough. You you you're you're like limiting yourself with the options on fourth and eight. And like you said, the Eagles are are, are a much better team, and they proved it last night. I I don't think that I, you can call a Giant fan a fraud for being upset with what they what they watched. That that that's difficult to say. Fraud? That's a little strong. I don't think you could call him a fraud. Because you have every right to be upset with what you saw last night. Let's hear from Daniel Jones, by the way. Uh, he was asked uh, about the Giants' future. I think the future of the team's bright. I think, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, core guys who've made a lot of plays, stepped up, and been huge all year. So, yeah, I think there's, a, there's certainly a bright future here. And here was him weighing in on whether or not he would, would like to be here next year. You know, I'd, I'd love to be back, but, you know, we'll see. And, and there's a business side of it, too, so 
I saw this quote going viral on social media last night, and a lot of people, uh, to me, just made too much uh, of nothing. He he has to say that because you know he he's negotiating. He has to give himself some leverage. You can't succumb to emotions in that point. I would love to be back. I'll I'll play for ten cents an hour. No, he says there's a business part of it. I want to come back, but we got to see how it works itself out. I, I I would imagine that if Daniel Jones, and I don't know him, obviously, but I would imagine that the best-case scenario for him would be returning to the Giants and getting paid the amount of money that he wants. I don't think he wants to go elsewhere. I think that it, there is still a... There is still a lot of value in being the quarterback of the New York Giants. There's a lot of value in being the guy who took over for Eli Manning and then having the having the career that is unfolding so far where like the, through the first three years we were unsure about this guy, ready to give up on him, and then blam, it, it kicked in year four. And now you're in a system with Brian Dable, who you love, playing for this organization in this city. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that it's 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 in his best interest to stay here and want to be here but like he said there's a business aspect to it money talks and he's earned himself a big payday whether you feel he's worth it or not he's going to get paid and I, I don't know if it if it's going to result in the giants franchising him and then moving on from Saquon I don't know what that decision is going to be but what we can say is Daniel Jones did earn a right uh to be in this spot and that is uh with a chance to get a second contract with the Giants, because I'll be honest, I'm candid and I'm I'm honest. But you can say what you want about me, I'm honest, and I I will say I was out on Daniel Jones. I did not think he had this in him. I was someone who said, let's look at NFL history. Is there a precedent for a guy who, through his first three years, was injury prone, turnover machine, and then all of a sudden it clicked and he became a franchise quarterback? I couldn't find a legitimate comparison. So I said, because of that, history tells me this is not going to work out. I think Daniel Jones is going to be able to get the most out of him. Whatever his potential is, he's going to be able to tap into it. But I just don't see it really converting into you know, him becoming the guy at quarterback for this team. I just never saw it happening, and I was dead wrong. Because this year, nine turnovers, including the playoffs, had them as, a, a, as the sixth seed. In a year where they weren't expected to do much of anything. And in big moments and big spots, he delivered. Had them with an opportunity to win that game. What was that? On uh, week 16 against the Vikings. The game they lost in overtime on the 61-yarder by Greg Joseph. Had them in position to win that game after they were down 8 late. And he drove them all the way down the field. Converted the two-point conversion. Got them into the playoffs. Played well. Beat the Vikings. Rushed for 71 yards. And it was his best game. And then last night he had a stinker. But I don't think that should muddy the waters as far as what this guy uh, did this season. Last 30 minutes coming up as we head to Knicks Raptors. Ty Butler going right until 5.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Big third down conversion by Joe Barrow keeping this drive alive as the Bengals are up 17 to 10. Buffalo just got a field goal to pull to within one score. So it's a fun one. Going to come down to the wire between two excellent teams in the AFC winner uh, with the right to go on to play the Chiefs. So a uh, big shout out to Big Jim fan on Twitter, Oz Match Jet fan. 
Uh, you keep saying Indy for the AFC if it's a neutral site. Neutral site, it'd be Atlanta, and that is correct. Indy. Why I have Indy in my mind is because that that was floated around initially when they were talking about potential sites for the AFC neutral site game. Uh, Indianapolis was like the first option, so I have that stuck in my head. But he is right. This game, if Buffalo wins, will be played in Atlanta. Uh, that will be the neutral site location. So thank you to Jim for pointing that out. And if the Bengals win, it's going to be an hour ahead. But my point was, I don't want neutral site games. I, no, this year it has to happen. But I mean, going forward, like let's not have this be the precedent. I like hearing that energy from the home fans in the arena. And teams play all year to get home field, so they deserve that. And uh, Dre Kim pointed out the Rams also won last year at home in the Super Bowls. Yeah, that and that did happen. So you had the Buccaneers win at home. You had the Rams win at home. I know it would never happen, but I would like to see Super Bowls go from being neutral site games to the team actually who had the best record uh, hosting it. But, you know, there's so much planning years in advance, and you put the bid on it. So it's, it's, it's an exciting thing to do for the league, and you get to, you know, have all the pomp and circumstance. But it would be fun to, to have, let's say, you know, the Eagles get to the Super Bowl this year. They can host that game because they earned that. They played well enough uh, to get into that position. Uh, so that's just my take on the whole thing. Bengals right now back in the red zone at the five-yard line with a chance to go up two scores in the snowy weather that is uh, in the snowy city of Buffalo. So uh, keep you posted on that. And I think we're actually, regardless of what happens tonight between the Cowboys and the Niners, I think we're set up for a sensational NFC Championship game. Because I think the Niners are going to win. They're the more talented team. They're at home. I like their coach better than Mike McCarthy. Kyle Shanahan has done an excellent job, even with Brock Purdy. Seems like whoever comes into this offense knows what to do. Get the get rid of the ball quickly to the Niners, who are just littered with weapons. Get them out in open space, and that defense is just suffocating. We saw, uh, we, we saw how good they were all season long, and they've continued to do so last week after a shaky first half. Know, coming through and being dominant in that second half against the Seahawks. But if the Cowboys do find a way to upset San Francisco, then you have to feel like because of them being better than the Niners, they've got a real good shot to, to beat the Eagles. Because I think Eagles-Niners is the ideal matchup. These are two explosive teams. But if the Cowboys find a way to be better than the Niners, then it means that if I think Niners Eagles was a, was going to be a great matchup, Cowboys Eagles should be a great matchup. I mean, I get it, it doesn't always work up like that, uh, work out that way, because come down to how you perform against the other team matchup wise. But if the Cowboys find a way to win this game and get to the NFC title game, beating the Niners on the road, then yeah, they can absolutely beat the Eagles. And now we've got ourselves set up for a you know an excellent. NFC East divisional matchup, Eagles Cowboys with a chance to get to the Super Bowl, and I know Giant fans can't be can't be rooting for that because that that is a nightmare situation. That that is a nightmare to be one win away from the NFC Championship game. You get blown out by the Eagles, who are now waiting for the winner of this game tonight, and then the winner of this game tonight turns out to be the Cowboys, and you got to watch that, which means one of these two teams will, will be in the Super Bowl. Yikes. Can't can't imagine can't cannot imagine being a Giants fan if that happens tonight. So uh we will definitely recap everything that happens tonight, tomorrow morning beginning at six AM. 
uh, with DiPietro and Rothenberg. New start time for them, 6 to 10. They've been doing it for weeks. It's been a tremendous show getting that extra hour. So proud of those guys. RJ, Ray Santiago doing an excellent job. So make sure you tune into them tomorrow because they're going to give you that solid reaction of, of what happened on Saturday night and they recap the games today. And as I mentioned last segment, I, Rick DiPietro, you can't be the tough guy that you claim to be if you're not going to go hard on Dave tomorrow morning. I don't, I don't need the soft, here for you, good friend. Nah. Keep that same energy you, you have for everybody else on the station and go at that man. Hurt his feelings a little bit. It's 98.7 ESPN Superbox Bonanza 2023 with over $35,000 in cash and, cash and prizes. Each box comes with additional prizing, including yet Yeti coolers, Nixon Rangers suite tickets, JBL speakers, Fanatics gift cards, and much more. Plus, the big game payout of $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and the grand prize final score wins a trip to Resorts World, Bimini. Like it, Bimini in the Bahamas plus $2,000 cash. Get your boxes by listening to the aforementioned DPHO at Rothenberg. Barton Hahn, that's 12 to 3. The case show from 3 to 7 through February 3rd. It's all brought to you by our Bartesian Premium Home Cocktail Maker, Sloman's Resorts World, Bimini in the Bahamas. P.C. Richard and Son, Grand Marnier, and award-winning blend of fine cognac in the orange liqueur. And 98.7 ESPN New York. For full contest details, go to ESPNNewYork.com. So the, the Bengals get a touchdown score here, Harvey. What's happening? It looked to be through the line. Looked across the line. Didn't That's get it, apparently. But um, Zach Taylor's challenging it. So Mixon uh, looks like he might have gotten a touchdown on the ground. And this is a big challenge here because with 42 seconds remaining in the third quarter, it's a difference between this possibly being a 24-10 to 10 deficit Buffalo's facing in the biggest game of the season with one quarter left, or they can get a stop here and, and force the Bengals to kick, which I don't know if Zach Taylor, that'll be interesting. If it's fourth down, fourth and one, do you go up two scores or do you try to go for the touchdown? Wow, that'll be a that that'll be a fascinating one. What does he do there? What I, does he do there? I think he goes for it. Now, real quick, Ty, not to um divulge from the conversation. Can you believe that in twenty twenty three, a football game was stopped momentarily because a chain broke? <sighs> that made no. I was beside myself. So last night, so what what Harvey is talking about is last night during Eagles, Giants on the first offensive possession for the Giants. There was a stop in action because the chains broke, which made no sense. And, you know, me being uh, someone who can engage in a little Twitter fun, I said, hmm. So uh, on the mor- this, this past morning, the Giants apparently were dealing with shower, issue- shower issues at their hotel in Philadelphia. And now on their first drive, they're dealing with the chains breaking. I don't know. Sounds a little fishy to me. And then after that, I don't know if you saw this, Harvey, but Daniel Jones mysteriously lost his contact in his right eye, so he had to go to the sideline. The Giants had to burn a timeout. And not only that, but at the post game, he hit, he did his press conference without a tie. I don't mm. like this, man. I don't know. Something fishy going on there. Something fishy going on there. But, yeah, that was weird. I, it, it, the, the game being momentarily paused because <laughs> – the chain is having some malfunction. 
but that's the football part of it. I did mention that in 20 minutes, we are going to have pregame between the Knicks and the Raptors. Should be a fun one because these two teams have been playing fun games all season long. The latest one was last week when the Knicks fell in overtime to the Raptors. Uh, and, you know, it was a game that was controversial because R.J. Barrett actually, after Scotty, so Scotty Barnes had a chance to put the Raptors up three with under 10 seconds left to go in the game. He misses the free throw. R.J. Barrett gets the rebound, drives all the way down down the floor and dunks it, and it looked like he was fouled. And I, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the last two-minute report came out the next day and they did say he was fouled, so... Should have gotten a chance at a free throw. We don't know because of how the you know the Knicks have had their free throw woes, and RJ Barrett's not an excellent free throw shooter. Uh, we don't know that would have gone in, but he would have had the chance to win the game in regulation. Did not get that opportunity to do that, and went to overtime. And Fred VanVleet poured in like thirty nine points, and the Knicks uh, fell in overtime. So that started this three game skid. That went on to continue with losses to the Wizards and then that blowout loss to the Hawks where they let up 139 points to an Atlanta team that had been struggling. So the Knicks, opportunity tonight to get back in the win column uh, in Toronto. That Mitchell Robinson injury is, is is a devastating one because he is someone who brings so much to the table and people just look at his rim protection and his, and his defense, not just on the perimeter. But the Knicks are the best offensive rebounding team in all of basketball, and he's a huge part of that. And how many times you're watching a Knicks game, and you know they miss a shot, offensive rebound, he tips it out to a shooter, bang for three. My my Mike Breen impression. So that's huge, keeping possessions alive for a Knicks team that has you know hit some threes this year. And when you've got guys like Brunson and, and Randall you know, playing as well as they are, getting those extra possessions, that could be the difference in a game. So losing him, that, that, that's the Steph Curry shot. Uh, what was that? 2016 uh, against Oklahoma City. I'm, on my birthday, actually. You beat the, war, beat the uh, Thunder uh, with that dagger. But, um, yeah, Mitchell Robinson was, was huge. And losing him for an extended period of time, you hope this just doesn't sink the Knicks. Uh, that their schedule. I think I saw that they now have the second toughest schedule the rest of the way. So to be just three games above five hundred right now, and you're in the playing playing tournament, you know, as, as the seventh seed, and now you're going to face the second toughest schedule the rest of the way with no Mitchell Robinson. Uh, that's that's brutal. Uh, so the hope is just that you know Julius Randle can continue to 